Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. Now, tonight, I'm going to talk to you out of several scriptures, and um, I want to start in Matthew chapter 16. And I want to start with a conversation that Jesus had with his disciples. He was alone with his disciples. A lot of things had happened. And he asked them this question in Matthew chapter 16. As he, uh, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, Who do men say that I am, the Son of Man am? And they said, Well, some say you're John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah are one of the prophets. And then he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Now, let me stop there just for a second, because that's a good question. Who do you say that he is? Who do you say that Jesus Christ is? Well, I, if you want to know who he is to me, it'll take me a while to tell you, because he's so much to me. But Peter, impetuous Peter, I love Peter. Peter jumped up and he said, I know who you are. You are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. It wasn't Peter's intellect that told him Jesus was the Son of God. It was the Spirit of the Lord. God the Father told him that. And God the Father will also reveal to us who Jesus is to us and who we are in Christ. And so, you know, it's so important. Now, then he goes on to say this. And I also say to you, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I want to talk to you about that statement that Jesus made. Now, first of all, I want to clarify, some people think that because he said, Peter, upon this rock, and Peter's name means rock, that Jesus was saying he was going to build the church on Peter. That was not what Jesus was saying. He was saying that upon the rock of revelation of who Jesus is, it is that knowledge, that revelation of, of who Jesus is, upon that rock, Jesus is going to build his church, and the gates, that word gates means strategies. It was in the city gates that all wars were planned, that strategies were planned, that government took place of the cities. And Jesus said, all the gates and strategies of hell will not prevail against my church. Now, the church really began way back when Jesus was on the earth, several thousand years ago, a couple thousand years ago. And after Jesus ascended into heaven, then his disciples began to go forth and build the church. And, and uh, it expanded beyond Jewish people to Gentile people. Thank God I wouldn't be a part of it if he hadn't expanded it to Gentiles because I'm a Gentile. Alan is a Jew. Don't tell him I told you that. But, but I'm a Gentile. And so he said, I'm going to build my church. Now, here's a question. What does it mean, church? What is the church? What is the church? Well, first of all, the church is not a building. This, this building is not a church. This building houses the people that are the church, but it's the people that are the church, not the building. So um, let's, um, let's look 
I want to look at, at some words that mean church. What is the church? And let me just read from my notes. The church is not a building or an organization. The word translated church in the English Bible is the word ecclesia. And I think the guys have that up there for you. Ecclesia. And it's actually two Greek words, kaleo, which means to call, and it has a prefix ek, out, ecclesia. So it means the called out ones. The church is the called out ones. Now, there's another word that, uh, the, the second word, which I can't pronounce, so I had to put it up on the screen. So those of you who speak Greek won't tell me that I don't know what I'm talking about because I can't pronounce the word. But <laughs> if you can pronounce it, let me know. It means dedicated to the Lord, and, and that often refers to a building. So when we built this building where we're meeting, we dedicated it to the Lord. But this church is not the church. This building is not the church. We are the church. We are the church. Look at this scripture in the concerning, um, I believe it's found, it, yeah, there it is. First Peter 2.9. You are a chosen people. Just stop there. Say that. I'm chosen. When you received Jesus Christ as your Savior, you became chosen. God chose you. You are a royal priesthood. We are priests unto God. You are a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. So we are the called out ones. We are called out of darkness and into his glorious light. We are the called out ones. And um, uh, to really understand the meaning of the word church, I want to take you to the other scripture I want to look at tonight. I've, I taught on this chapter for eight weeks. Aren't you glad I'm not going to teach you for eight weeks? I'm not make you sit here for eight weeks. But um, I taught on this chapter for eight weeks with, in Girl Talk and, and our two ladies classes that we have. Because this particular chapter in Ephesians chapter 1 tells us three very important things. John Osteen, my pastor for 27, well, almost 27 years. His son was my pastor for a few of those years after he went to heaven. But he told me once, there are only three things you need to teach. If you will teach these three things, the Bible is filled with these three things. People will always be blessed. You need to tell people who they are in Christ. You need to tell people what they have in Christ. And you need to tell people what they can do in Christ. And Ephesians chapter 1, that one chapter, answers all three of those questions. Now, we're not going to look at the whole chapter. I just am going to look at the latter part of that chapter. And it begins with a prayer. The end of that chapter is a prayer where Paul begins to pray for the church in Ephesus. And I want to pray that over you before we begin really get into this tonight because I want you to get a revelation of what the church is and the power of that God has given us as the people of God. So let's look at these scriptures together. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, Father, I pray this, that you would give us tonight a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Let the eyes of our understanding be enlightened, Father, that we may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of God's inheritance in us? And that we might, we might experience the exceeding greatness of your power toward us who believe. 
according to the working of your mighty power, which you worked in Christ when you raised him from the dead and seated him at your own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and dominion and might and every name that is named. Not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And you have put all things under his feet and you gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now he raised Jesus. I want to start there. I I wanted to pray the prayer, but then I want to look at, because there's, there's a wonderful revelation for us in the latter part of that passage. It says that wonderful power that God used, all of his power, he used it to raise Jesus from the dead. And that same power is available to us, that we might know the power that is available to us. The very same power that he used to raise Jesus from the dead is available to us who have received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We need to know that he has called us. He has called us to something important. He has called us not to just sit around and think, well, we're so lucky someday we're going to heaven. No, he's called us to be active in his kingdom. Pastor Allen shared several scriptures that he prays on a daily basis. And I pray some of those same scriptures. But there's another scripture that I pray every single day. And it's Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And I pray it like this, Lord, I bring you my body today as a living sacrifice. Use me any way you want to, to bring your kingdom to the earth. That's a very important prayer to me. The Lord gave me that prayer and told me to pray that prayer. I had been traveling. I was so tired. I came home. I was exhausted. I was walking and praying the morning after I got home. And I was telling the Lord how lucky he was to have someone who worked so hard for him. And he spoke to my heart and he said, you know, there's a ministry I've called you to that you have not fulfilled. Now, that's not a really pleasant thing to hear from the Lord. And I said, oh, Lord, what is it? I I mean, I'm trying, I'm teaching, I'm traveling, I'm singing. What else can I do? And he quoted that scripture to me. I've called you to be a living sacrifice. Now, I'm so glad he didn't say just a sacrifice because of the next question he asked me. What does a sacrifice do? What does a sacrifice do? Well, it lays on the altar. Just lays on the altar. That's all the sacrifice does. What is it waiting for? The sacrifice is waiting for the fire of God to fall and devour it. Oh, my goodness. But this scripture says, I want a living sacrifice. And this is what he said to me. You need to spend more time on the altar Dedicating yourself to me and waiting for my fire to fall and energize you. And if you will do that, you will never feel this exhausted again. Sometimes I forget when I get real busy that I need to do more than just say, here's my body as a living sacrifice. I need to really get on the altar and let the Lord energize me. And you do too. And that's not in my notes. That was totally free. But he, he raised him from the dead. And then he seated him at his own right hand in heavenly places. Now, the right hand is is the hand of power. So for Jesus to be seated at the right hand of God, he he is exalted. He is seated at the right hand of God, a place of power and authority. And if you go on to 
chapter 2 in Ephesians, you can find out that we are seated with him in heavenly places. And let's look at that scripture. God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ by that same power. By grace, you've been saved. And now look at this. He raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. What do you say now, Billy? My feet are on the ground. I am not in heaven. I would have to die to go to heaven. No, spiritually, you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Spiritually, you are above. You read the, think about the rest of that verse. Far above principalities and powers and dominions and every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age that is to come. So he's seated up there, and we're joined to him. So as far as God is concerned, we're sitting there with him. Now, why is that significant? Because of the power that's available at the right hand of God. If the enemy comes against you and you're sitting at the right hand of God, boy, he wouldn't dare approach you there, would he? But we forget where we're sitting. Sometimes we forget who we are. Sometimes we forget the power that God has vested in us. Let me see if I can read between the lines and these blue lines in my outline. <laughs> Naturally, our feet are on the earth. Spiritually, we're seated with Christ. Now, who are the principalities and powers? Far above principalities and powers. Same book Ephesians tells you. If you read the sixth chapter of Ephesians, it'll tell you who those principalities and powers are, are, that Jesus, and we're with him, we're seated high above them. Who are they? Let's find out. Far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. Now take us to Ephesians 6, and let's look at that scripture. For we do not wrestle. Now this has to do with warfare. So those, those principalities and powers have to do, they're our enemy. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Now, we just need to stop right there. You need to know your enemy is not a human being. Now, you, there may be a human being that's acting like a complete idiot and not treating you fairly and being cruel and unkind to you, but it's not that, in, that human being that's your enemy. It's principalities and powers and that's who we're wrestling against, against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age. I'll tell you, we live in a dark age, y'all. And we need to recognize that, and we need to know how to handle it. Against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Now, some of us think that the wickedness is right here on the earth, and I agree with you, because those people are controlled and dominated by those powers of darkness. But Jesus, and we are seated with him far above principalities and powers. These are our spiritual enemies, not people. But we don't have to fear because we're seated with him. In fact, in that same um, Ephesians chapter 2, 23, Let's go. It's chapter 123. Let's go back there. 123. And he put all things under his feet. Now, this is, this is where I want us to dwell, really, the rest of tonight. I love these verses. And God put all things under the feet of Jesus. And he gave him, Jesus, to be the head over all things to the church. We're talking about the church. 
which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, let's just think about, let's analyze those scriptures because I want you to know who you are tonight. He made him to be the head over all things. We're connected to him. We're seated with him in heavenly places. And all these things are under our feet. <clears throat> so let's think about what he's saying there. He, Jesus has been made head over all things to his body, which is the church. Now, let's, to understand that, let's think about our human body. In my head, hopefully, there is a brain. Uh, is it the Wizard of Oz? That, which, which one of it? Is it the Tin Man, if I only had a brain? Oh, it's the Scarecrow, if I only had a brain. I'm not a Scarecrow. In my head is a brain, and in your head is a brain. Now, your brain is sort of like a computer in your body. It tells your body what to do. It tells my mouth to move so I can teach you. It sends the information that I should, I, I move my lips and make words, but it's my brain that's sending the information, and hopefully it's coming from my spirit to my brain, so I'm giving you good information. But it's my brain. I, I, I have hands that do work. D didn't you love what Matt taught us about working for the Lord? Jesus was a builder. I'm going to build my church, and Matt's a builder. But you know what? Builders have to use their hands, don't they? Anybody here a builder? Are, are there any builders in the house? Raise your hands and so everybody can see. Have to use your hands, right? But now you, your hands have to know what to do, right? I, probably with me, I could understand that most in typing. I don't really think too much when I'm typing because my brain tells my fingers where to go. My eyes are looking at a text and my fingers are walking. And, but it's all happening in my brain. If my brain quit working, my fingers wouldn't work. If my brain quit working, my eyes wouldn't work. If my brain quit working, nothing would work. In fact, if you have an accident and you have extreme brain damage, they, they, they just, if they turn off that little machine when your brain dies because the rest of you, as soon as they try to take you off that machine, nothing's going to work because your brain is dead. Well, Jesus is our brain. He's the head. He's the head. He's the head. My mother had a stroke several years, a couple years before she died. And, um, and, and she could uh, hear and, and she could uh, see. If she thought really hard, she could speak. And uh, if she didn't want me to do something, she'd have to think hard, but she would say no. She used to say that to me when I was very small. I was surprised that she learned to say it to me when I was an adult. But, uh, but she had to think about it. She couldn't use her hands. There was nothing wrong with her hands, but she couldn't use them. And there are people that are, are paralyzed. They have a back injury, and the signal from their brain is not getting down, and so they lose the use of their legs. We must never let anything block the message of Jesus from getting down to us. It's so important. He is the head now, we are the body. So my head houses my brain. Now, think about this. I want you to understand who you are. My head houses my brain that tells my body what to do. But it's really my body that's the functioning part of me. Are you beginning to understand where I'm going with this? Jesus is the head. He's in heaven. We are the functioning part of Jesus on the earth. If you start reading your Bible... And paying attention to what the Bible says about what you're supposed to do. 
It tells us these signs will follow those that believe. They will, they will cast out devils. It's a, they will speak with new tongues. Those, I got those two out first because people don't like those two. They will lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. Well, when I lay my hands on the sick, in fact, two different ladies came up to me before church. This was so thrilling to me. And both of them told me that I had prayed for them and they were healed. Now, that's thrilling to me. That's thrilling to me. Some of you that, were stand, that came up here tonight, hands were laid on you. It looked like to you that one of these prayer partners was praying for you. But you didn't realize that when they laid their hands on you, those were the hands of Jesus. Those were the hands of Jesus because we're the extension of Jesus on the earth. We're listening to his voice. We're hearing it with our ears. It's flowing down through our body. We're learning to live like who we really are, an extension of Jesus. Well, you say that's easy if you say you're a Bible teacher. I mentioned Romans 12 a minute ago, and I think I have. Let me see if I can find it because I just have left my notes completely. But I think, guys, I have a, a scripture in Romans. Oh, thank you. <laughs> They're wonderful. You know, really, they are. What would I do without them? I would stand here and, and cry because I left my notes at home. For as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and individually, we are members one of another. So now, now think about that. Let's leave it up there for a minute. Let's, let's sort of dissect it. Now we're all members in one body. So we're all, we're all the body of Christ. But if you could think of just a big human body with all the different working parts inside it, and if you took all those parts out and laid them out on the ground, they wouldn't be very useful, would they? But when you put them together in the body, the body functions beautifully. And we being many, are, are we function together. Now, we're not all preachers, and we're not all teachers, and we're not a, Jake and the, and, and the praise team did a wonderful job tonight. But we can't all get up there and sing. Sometimes I want to because it sounds so good, I want to run up on stage and grab a mic. But uh, they would take it away from me. <laughs> but we have different. Now, in that same chapter, I, I want you to write down Romans chapter 12. I want you to read it tonight because in that chapter, it lists what are known as motivational gifts, motivational gifts. We each have some motivational gift. Did you know that a very functional part of the body of Christ and necessary part of the body of Christ are people whose motivational gift is giving? Really? Yes, they get the greatest joy out of giving. And the Lord blesses them so they can give more. Did you know that one of the motivational gifts is serving? Those are people who serve, who come alongside and serve. Who, those, those women, I always tell them this when I'm teaching on the motivational gifts. Servers can remember how you take your coffee. They don't, you don't have to tell them four or five times. With me, I'm not a server by nature. I have served but you have to tell me how you want your coffee and then it really may not taste great because I'm not a server. I'm a teacher. I love to teach. I love to study to teach. And that's my motivational gift. That doesn't mean I can't do anything else, but it means that's my position in the body of Christ. Oh, and I love it. Are you, are you understanding this?
Are you getting this? Now, do you know why this church, one of the reasons, there's several reasons that this church is very successful. But one of the reasons that this church is so successful, I know some of you get tired of us saying, you need to volunteer. You need to find your place of ministry. You need to volunteer. But you know what we're trying to get you to do? Get in position to function as the body of Christ together. If we practice here functioning together, when we walk out those doors into the world, we'll walk out with an anointing on us that can change that world. Because we're walking out there, we are, we are the body of Christ and we'll begin to know how to function as the body of Christ. That's so important. That's so important. Now, you know, we, we don't know our power. We don't know our authority. We are waiting for Jesus to change things in our life. He is waiting for us to discover who we are and to step into the potential and power he has for us. I think of a story John Osteen used to tell. He used to kid us about knowing all of his stories. And I do know quite a few of his stories. Uh, Alan has some stories. Do any of you know a few of his stories? I'm not going to tell. I'll, I'll let him tell his stories. But this is a John Osteen story. He said he dreamed one night that he was in a boxing match with the devil. And the devil was beating him up. Had him down and was beating him to a pulp. And God was watching. And beside God was an angel. And the angel asked God, do you want me to go down there and rescue him? And God said, no, 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 just wait. And the devil just kept beating him up. And the angel said again, don't you want me to go rescue him? And the, God said, no, in a minute, he'll remember who he is. In a minute, he'll remember the power he has. And he said, when he heard those words, he jumped to his feet and he chased the devil right out of the ring. Now, see, that's what we need to do. We need to understand the authority we have been given by our, by our attachment to Jesus Christ. We are in Christ. And we have authority over the enemy, over principalities and powers. Well, you say, you just told us that God would rebuke the devourer. Well, he will. But he sometimes waits for you to do what you can do before he will do what you cannot do. Do you, do you understand that? I don't tell a lot of personal stories, but my daughter isn't here tonight, so I can tell this story. It's a good story. When, when my daughter was very young, uh, just a baby, just a, a little toddler, she had uh, urinary tract infections. And, and every time I was scheduled to go out of town to minister, she would get sick. It was so irritating. And, and, she, and so I'm scheduled to go out, and, and you know, because I worried the whole time I was gone. And so this was the night before I was to leave. And she came and she said, Mommy, I don't feel good. And she told me her symptoms, and I knew what was wrong with her. And I put her in bed with me, and, uh, and I don't know where Art was. He was, he was, I don't remember him being home. But, uh, so it was just Christy and I that night. Maybe he was bowling or something. Anyway, he was probably bowling. He wasn't there. And, and I put her in bed beside me, and I began to pray. I remember exactly what I prayed. I said, Father, make the devil leave her alone. And he said to me, you handle it. What? <laughs> you handle it. And I said, could you give me a chapter and verse, please? 
And he did. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. I'm going to share that verse in a minute. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I got it. And I said out loud, devil, I command you, take your hands off of my daughter. This is unlawful. You will not do this to my daughter in Jesus' name. Now, I don't, those probably weren't the exact words, but along those lines. We went to sleep. She woke up. She didn't have a urinary tract infection, and she didn't have another urinary tract infection. It was gone. It was finished. But I had to take authority. I had to take authority. You say, can I do that? Absolutely you can do that. Absolutely, because you have been given authority. You have been given authority. Now, let me see where I am. Let's return to Matthew 16. And this time, let's look at verse 18, because I want you to see this. Now, he's just said, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, he's talking to Peter, and he said, also, I say to you, you are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That's powerful, isn't it? The word keys, if I have the keys to a building, it means I can get in. It's entry. But also, sometimes when you take a test or, when, or something like that, you get this page called keys that tells you how to do it. And I really think that that word keys, other than being a big old key that unlocks the secrets of heaven, could also be the secret of how we pray and take authority. Because we have the power. We're attached to Jesus. He's the head. We're his functioning body on the earth. Your mouth is his mouth on the earth. So you ought to be careful what you put in that mouth. And you ought to be careful what comes out of that mouth. Now that was free. Not from my notes. But the Lord will help you. If you'll ask him, he'll help you. And so that, now when Jesus says something once, it's very important. If Jesus says something twice, you better pay attention. And he said this again in Matthew 18. Put up the other one. Assuredly, I tell you or say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, the first time he was talking to his disciples, but now he's talking to me and you. And then he goes on to the next verse. And look at the next verse. I love the next verse. Again, I say to you that if two of you, turn to your neighbor say, that's you and me. Even if you don't know them, that's, that's you and me. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm there in the midst of them. Look around you folks. There's more than two people here. We've gathered tonight in the name of Jesus. We've worshiped him in music. We've prayed for one another. Now we've listened to the word. He's here. He's here. He's here to empower you. He's here to lead you. He's here to guide you. You have to learn to listen. You have to learn to obey. You say, I don't know if I can do that. It takes practice. I've been at this a long time. I was born into a spirit-filled home and received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I was born again as a very, very young child. Received the baptism of the Holy Spirit when I was young. 
I've walked with the Lord, not perfectly. I've blown it a lot. But I've walked with the Lord almost all my life. Well, really all my life. 79 years. And in those 79 years, I've experienced some miracles. I've experienced, oh, yeah, it's, it's good to live 79 years. Praise the Lord. And, and in those times, the Lord has shown me. I can say with David. David said, I've been young and now I'm old. But I've never seen the righteous forsaken. And I've never seen God's seed begging bread. Have I always been as proficient in the word as I am now? And I'm certainly not as proficient as I want to be. No. No. But the more you read, the more you study, the more alive the word of God becomes. Pray that scripture that we pray. Oh, Lord, let the eyes of my understanding be flooded with light. Said, let me walk in a spirit of wisdom and revelation. The eyes of my understanding flooded with light that I may know that I may know that I may know. Teach me, Lord. Speak to me, Lord, and I will obey you. Use my hands as your hands. Use my feet as your feet. Pray that Romans chapter 12 every day. Here's my body, Lord. I bring it to you as a living sacrifice. Use me any way you want to, to bring your kingdom to the earth today. Well, it's eight o'clock. <laughs> I have to stop at eight o'clock. I want you to bow your heads. There may be somebody in this room that doesn't know Jesus. You're not vitally connected to him. You've never invited him into your heart. Or maybe you're in this room and you say, Billy, I, I'm away from the Lord. I've invited him into my heart, but I've not been walking with him. And oh, I want you to pray for me. If you want to receive Jesus as your Savior, or if you want to rededicate your life tonight, slip your hand in the air. Just all over the building, I'm looking. Yes, I see that hand. I see those hands. I see those hands. I see those hands. Yes. We're going to pray a prayer that we pray every service. I think it's a shame that some churches don't do this. But every service, we give people an opportunity to rededicate their lives or to receive Jesus. So we're going to pray this with you. If you pray this prayer from your heart, then sitting right there in your seat... The same power that raised Jesus from the dead will begin to move within you to attach you to Jesus the head. Pray this with me. Dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. And I know I cannot save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Father, I pray for every person here that we would begin to function as the church, that we would begin to function as, as Jesus would have us function. When we wake up every morning, help us remember that we are vitally attached to the head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
and dig out our ears to hear your voice every day. Lead us to the hurting, sighing, crying people around us who need us to encourage them and speak words of life to them. Lord, I thank you that we'll get our eyes off of our own needs and we'll get our eyes on you and we will become the glorious church without spot or wrinkle, ready for your return. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message has blessed you. Don't forget to check us out on all the social platforms. We're uploading encouraging content on a regular basis. For more information, go to thearcchurch.com. Have a great week.